Good evening and welcome to the River Rain Show. I'm your host, Catherine Allen, clairvoyant medium, astrologer, and author of the book, A Little Bit of Intuition. Tonight, we're going to explore yet another theme, something else to help guide you so that you can make healthy choices that empower your life and help you trust your own intuition. So grab yourself a nice drink, settle in with a blanket, whatever it is that makes you comfortable and willing to go deeper into yourself. Welcome to the River Rain Show.
Good evening and welcome to the River Rain Show this evening. We are October 26th and we're a few days away from the full moon in Taurus. When the skies are intense like that with the full moon, especially in Scorpio versus Taurus, we can expect a lot of intense emotion. We can expect uh, ourselves to be having a reaction to that. Um, intensity in the astral can sometimes make you tired, especially if you're, you know, going through the darkness as daylight is getting shorter and shorter. Um, and other people feel energized. Other people feel extremely angry. You know, other people feel super passionate. Libido runs high in these signs. You just never know, but it usually will have some sort of effect and this year, it's quite a rare occurrence that we have our full moon, which is also the blue moon, on Halloween. Yeah, usually it doesn't quite land there. It's, uh, it's been since 1944 that we had a full moon fall exactly on Halloween. So I have been feeling that this is somehow going to be a very special night. And it's hard to say how, but I have been feeling the Halloween Samhain witchy vibe in me since September. So this is why I'm bringing you a show tonight on the thinning of the veil. What's that mean? Well, Halloween is actually the um, modern name of a, a, a pagan holiday that is called Samhain, or in Ireland or other places could be Samhain. Basically, it was a festival to honor the ancestors, honor the dead, and honor the ancestors. And it's a time when the, the veils between worlds are thinner, meaning that we can receive a lot more intuition we might get stronger dreams. We might have things that you would call predictive or prophetic. And we might also feel more open or visited by spirits. And tonight's show is going to be more honoring the ancestors aspect of this holiday. Usually we talk about it in terms of, you know, the, uh, the folklore, the and where it comes from. I did a show last year on Halloween versus Samhain and talking more about the differences between the holidays. It's really different depending where you go, how far back you research this, what country you research this from. Our modern holiday of having um, carving pumpkins, dressing in costumes and going trick-or-treating actually stems from a lot of pagan traditions that were that had much more reverence and even maybe fear um, of the other side. So the pumpkin uh, jack-o'-lantern has some roots in the Headless Horseman, um, saying that he used the jack-o'-lantern to replace the head that he lost as he was riding across the skies. Uh, the Headless Horseman can be linked to Odin. And there's many centuries of traditions 
regarding Odin. And, um, you know, he was feared and revered. And, you know, little children didn't feel safe um, at night. Odin might come and get you kind of thing. People would put flowers or garlic or garlands or food outside their doors. Um, some places it was sweet, some places just bread. Um, they would decorate or put things on the threshold of the door. Many different countries have different things. And it was basically for protection from any evil spirits entering the house during this time when the veils were thin. You know, other things were left out um, on the positive side to honor the ancestors and, and make an offering to anybody who has crossed over. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the tradition of a dumb supper. <coughs> and um, I wanted to focus on the ancestral side because I wanted to talk about the ancestral side more this evening because it's not as focused on but that's really to me one of the most beneficial things that we can do during a Scorpio and moon and full moon in Taurus time is really think about your ancestors who might be around who might you dream of who might you feel a message from remembering your lineage always helps you on many, many levels to understand yourself and understand your path, your choices, your parents' choices, your grandparents' choices. So tonight is a cross-section of different ways to look at your family, your lineage, and hopefully to give you a sense of how you can use this holiday of Samhain, Halloween, in a different way. Especially since we're in this weird time of COVID-19, where there are restrictions in many, many places for the kids, or for the, 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 the parties, the, the trick-or-treating. There's other ways that you can honor this holiday than um, worrying about going outside and, and getting candy. You could create a beautiful altar in the home, whether you live alone or whether you've got a family or children. You could put out some pictures of the people who you miss. You could put out some flowers and some candles. You could put out some food offerings. And you could just talk to them and maybe you'll get some sort of dream or message from them. Here's hoping. So tonight, um, as we go into the show, I just have one quick announcement, and that's just to remind you that it's a good time to be thinking about online courses and online learning. We're going into the cooler months. We're going into more quarantine. And one way to really keep your mind sharp and positive is to continue to learn. So I'd like to just remind you again, if you are interested in any online courses that I have, now is a great time to begin and dig in because my courses will last you um, months 
I have an intuition course that goes along with my book, A Little Bit of Intuition. It's 11 days, and then if you're really still excited about it, then I have intuition coaching programs that are a little more individual. If you are ready to dive in and learn your tarot, you can take my online tarot class course. It's thorough, and um, it lasts around 10 or 11 months. And if you are interested in learning astrology, then you can also subscribe to my Patreon. So you can look at Clairvoyant Medium, Catherine Allen, Patreon, and you'll see if you sign up for a certain tier, you'll get all my astrology courses. So all that being said, I hope that you're in the mood to dive deep and think about your ancestral roots in the context of the jack-o'-lanterns, the costumes, and the candies.
We are all immortal as long as our stories are told. It's Elizabeth Hunter. I love that line. We are all immortal as long as our stories are told. So how many of you know the stories of your ancestors? I find it so hit or miss. People either grow up with a long oral history, knowing all these anecdotes, knowing first, you know, your great grandfather was born and this was his name and he married her and they lived there and then they moved and this is what they did for work and this is what happened. And then, you know, they had your parents and then your parents came and moved and they did this for work and they had you and then, and people know, you know, their, their lineage in detail sometimes, you know, there's lots of people obviously that research family trees and know them quite extensively, but even just on the more personal anecdotal level, you know, there's, there's families that just are organized around keeping that history alive. And then there's families that don't, and they either don't because they don't want to talk about it. There's something painful. There's something they don't want to remember. Or sometimes there's something that broke that oral history in the family, like maybe, um, you know, a, a major move, an immigration, um, something where there was a tragedy, a loss, something of a war. Something can break that chain of wanting to talk about it or even sometimes remembering you know, memories are really a hot topic, really, because, um, you know, why is it that some people can remember every detail of something and other people, it's too painful and they don't, they don't mean to, but it's traumatic, so it's suppressed and they don't remember, they don't talk about it. You know, you'll meet a lot of people who have trauma, who don't remember their childhood. There's patches of years they can't remember anything. And then you meet people that, you know, they know their 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 story pretty sequentially because either they chose to remember and talk about it or they had support if there was something difficult. But there's so many people that don't. And so there's a lot of broken stories. You know, there's a lot of lost stories and broken stories and and histories that don't have those details that can help us. So, you know, this line, we're all immortal as long as our stories are told, is so profound to me, you know, because um, somebody needs to know your story and tell it, and maybe that's you. <sighs> I have <clears throat> some story to tell about an ancestor tonight as we go into this show because, um, and I didn't plan this, <laughs> but it turns out that tonight, October 26th, um, was my grandma's birthday. She was born in 1912, I believe. See, already I'm starting to blank out. Was it 1912 or 13? But it was one of those two. Uh, no, it's 1913. Um, so it would have been her birthday. So that would have made her a Scorpio. And 
I think of her every year around this time and often people tell me that she's around me in spirit and I feel her as well around me and it's not an everyday thing um, it's every once in a while I can hear her voice I can hear her teeth clicking that was one of her little things was you'd hear her teeth kind of when she spoke and so every so often I hear that and I know it's her because it's so particular to her spirit now I spent quite a bit of time with her growing up because she would come over and help my mom or stay over with us sometimes we got to stay over at grandma's house alone with her but it wasn't very often but I remember a couple of those times vividly because usually you know you were with your family group brother parents pets all of a sudden oh it's just you and grandma in this totally different house totally different energy you know she had antiques in there she had stuff that belonged to my grandpa who I never met she had uh, this old organ that you had to play by pumping pumping the pedals for air to get the organ to play oh my gosh she had a, a den downstairs that was packed full of books and stuff and had my my grandpa's desk that hadn't, hadn't been touched since he died in 1962 or 63 yeah so I remember when they when we had to move her from that house to um, to an elderly home we went through that desk and there were war ration cards still in there there were maps of his uh, world trip all this stuff that I never knew about him preserved in this desk because nobody really talks about anything in our family it's it's um, if you bring things up, you get this this somber look over you, over their faces, and um, it's sort of like don't ask or it's hard to remember, or, it's painful or something's painful, and so for me, family history and anecdotes have been a mystery. And as far as spending time with that grandmother, it was I didn't get a lot of time one on one with her. We were always in uh, sort of family reunion mode when we saw her. Most of the time she'd come over when it was Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving holidays, you know, or family reunions. And even when she just came over on her own, it just wasn't an environment where you'd be off alone talking to Grandma. Didn't happen much. And maybe it would have had I, you know, had she lived till I was a bit older. But uh, she passed when I was 19. And I had just left for university. She was diagnosed with leukemia the year before I left for university. And it's too bad because we had a lot of things in common. We both had a strong love of nature and uh, the outdoors, birds, flowers. We also loved to travel. She traveled quite a bit since she was a widow early. But she would travel a number of places in the world that seemed quite exotic for a lady to be doing by herself um, and alone. Well, I just said that, by herself and alone. What am I saying? Um, 
you know, if you're talking about the 70s, uh, you just didn't, it just didn't seem very common that a grandma would be traveling to Burma by herself, stuff like that. So I just thought she was the coolest. You know, she was independent since I, since I knew her. She never remarried. She was on her own. She was busy with friends and people and with the church and volunteering. And she was always busy with us uh, or our cousins. And uh, she gave a lot of service in her life. And she got to travel. So I always thought, wow, that was a, that was a really something to look up to. But I, I wished in hindsight many times that she had lived just a little bit longer since so we could have shared some of our other interests together like we both liked uh, to do sewing and embroidery and stuff she knew how to do some of the fancy sewing that I've always wanted to learn so I just wanted to honor her this this evening by telling something about her story her personality and um, hopefully it will inspire you to think about yours and as I said I still hear her voice and I hear her teeth clicking sometimes and I know she's around me I wonder how many of you feel somebody is around you too
dead can dance so there are two gifts we should give our children one is roots 
and the other is wings. What happens when we don't have either? If we don't have roots, we don't know where home is. We don't know the history of our health. We don't know if there are certain patterns in the family that we might be repeating. We don't have a sense of belonging or place that's so necessary. At the same time, if we don't have wings, we can't leave this nest and explore the world and see um, what else is out there. So a lot of people might feel like they didn't have either. And some, obviously lots of people, they got both. They have a secure attachment. They know who they are. They can come back home. They know the land that they're born on. They're connected to the people. They know their story. They know the meaning of their name. And they can go out and explore the world confidently and come back home. And still so many have moved, have emigrated, have had tragedies or losses that have cut them from those roots. And it takes some work, some research, some talking, lots of talking, to get a sense of those roots so that you're not just flying as well. You're not just floating. So I've been on... Um, somewhat of a mission to understand mine a bit better um, since it's hard to spot, it's hard to pinpoint at what point did people stop talking or telling their stories so much or what led um, pretty much both sides of our family my mom's and my dad's side to really not sit around and talk about people or anecdotes that much I think it was because there were um at least in the immediate, my my dad's dad passed when he was only, I believe, like 19 or 20 years old. And same with my mom. So they sort of had this tragic loss of their fathers in common. And so my brother and I grew up without knowing anything about these grandfathers. And they wouldn't really talk about them much. They would say a couple of lines and that's about it. And you'd ask and they'd look sad. And they wouldn't tell you more. And, um, you know, then sometimes you'd ask and the facts would change. No, no, I didn't say that. No, it wasn't that. Okay. And it's been hard to get a sense of those roots. And so I did a little, I did a little more digging. I pushed the envelope a little bit, uh, maybe a year or two ago. Um, and I decided I wanted to go to England. I've mentioned this on other shows. And that was to connect with my mom's dad and go to Cornwall where he was born. And um, I didn't go to where he was actually born, but where he grew up and where my great-grandfather was born. And subsequently, <laughs> you know, one day after years and years of not talking about him, all of a sudden my mom just sent me this giant file with everything she had on the family tree. Um, because she, it's not her thing to, 
to research it or memorize it or talk about it. And I don't really want to be a, some sort of historian and um, I don't feel the need to know it in that level of detail, but, or yet. But I did want to know precisely where he was from and I got to go. And it gave me something very powerful to be standing on the shores of uh, this little parish on the coast of Cornwall and know that there's family that goes back for a couple hundred years. And I connected with um, the, uh, the archives of the Heritage Society there because they have volunteers that will help research your family tree. And so I, I emailed that person, and it took her two or three months to get back to me. And I, I recently got a, a letter where she had uh, dug into the records for me and, you know, just some extra sort of proof, if you will. Um, pretty much the great-grandfather, he was a, looks like a farmer, although um, according to mom, he was also a minister, and he might have sort of volunteered or been uh, shared that duty or been part-time, but he wasn't officially listed with the church. So that was sort of interesting, you know, where, like where history, recorded history meets your oral history. There can be a lot of, a lot of things that you discover. What was interesting, though, to me is on the soul healing level, how much it, it really solidified a few things for me to be standing in that spot. Because, first of all, the, the geography of it was exactly what I love. Hilly, green, grassy, you know, going down this steep pathway with cute little houses and ending up in the woods and then keep going and further down and you get to the beach and the, you know, these rugged rocky shores of um, Trevonin's Cove. Oh my God. It was just everything from a felt familiar, felt right, felt good. And um, there was something just really powerful about saying, okay, despite all of, all of the, um, the missing stories or the mixed stories or the unwillingness to, to talk about things, there's proof we were here. And they came over to Canada in 1906 to farm. And um, I know a bit more about that history. And then it's my intention to go back again uh, when COVID is over to see Scotland and see where my, the grandma that I mentioned, whose birthday it is today. Um, I'd like to see where she was from, where her, her parents were from in Scotland and uh, start to explore some of my dad's lineage and my mom's because there's English and Scottish in both both sides and so there's all of this history with the clans and I'm starting to do my research a bit with that and um, it's, it does give you something hard to explain. Um, there's sometimes the strangest things that repeat in a family and one of them for us, for our family, is all of this moving around. 
lots of families do, but um, I don't. I haven't traced them back enough to know when did they come to Cornwall. All I know is that for a couple hundred years they were in Cornwall, um, and after that they come to Canada. And if if I look at the patterns of you know, my, my parents and then our generation, my generation, and now the younger uh, kids that are growing up and going, going off to university who are like late 20s or 19 now. Everyone moves. Everyone moves. Everybody. Almost everybody. Um, I'd say about 80% of us have relocated to another city, another coast, studied abroad, and it's interesting with my grandma continuing to travel as well, even if she didn't emigrate um, herself. It's in the family, this restlessness, this wanderlust, this wanting to see the world, this wanting to be independent, wondering what's out there, you know, feeling confident enough to fly when, or be adventurous. So I'll come back to this quote. There are two gifts we should give our children. One is roots, the other is wings. Still remind me 
get so tangled up, but it makes me strong. You strip away what weighs me down. Oh, with a lighter heart, I leave the ground. You give me room. Ancestor Prayer When you were born, the earth became your body, the stone became your bone, the sea became your blood, the sun became your eye, the moon became your mind, the wind became your breath. When you passed to the other world, your breath became the wind, your mind became the moon. Your eye became the sun, your blood became the sea, your bone became the stone, your body became the earth. When you were born, you did the same for us. You called forth the earth and rocks, the sea arose and the sun descended, the moon shone down and the wind sang. For those who come after, we shall do as you did for us. When we are gone, we shall do as you did before by the magical druid. Oh, all the money that ever I spent I spent it in good company And all the harm that ever Of wit 
to do a little meditation in this next part just something quick but probably easy for you to visualize based on this little poem again um, by the gossamer path closing my eyes to connect with my roots I sense the wisdom of my ancestors and my grandmother smiles so I'd like you to simply relax and do this meditation with me since the veils are thin and you might get more of an answer or a message or a sensation than usual. I'd like you to close your eyes and I'd like you to surround yourself with some sort of nice sunshine or light. You can see yourself glowing and see it starting at your head or above your head and moving all the way around your head and see this light or this sun beaming down on your chest and your arms and your upper back move it down your arms see your hands glowing in light feel that sun on your stomach on your hips feel this light all the way around your legs wrapping around you and it goes all the way down to your feet and it connects you to the earth. I want you to see that you've got roots growing from your feet. Just imagine, just see them. They could be short little roots or they could be very deep. They could be simple or they could be complex. I want you to try to just trust whatever visual first comes to mind we're imagining your ancestors and your roots and how deep this goes, how simple and clear or how complex this is for you. So just see those roots now growing into the earth. What do they look like? Are they tiny little wispy roots? Are they deep, thick, craggy roots that twist and turn? 
Or is it like one long, strong one going deep down? Or is it like an underground tree, a network? Just try to visualize that. And if you do see that it's complex or feels very dense, it's probably a metaphor for something with your whole family tree and the roots of your family. And you might see that some are wispy or some are missing, some are broken. And that might be a metaphor that there's parts of your family story that are missing or, or broken as well. Now what I'd like you to do is visualize that all the roots are now healing and healthy. Where they were weak, now you see them getting stronger. If they look dry, see them with moisture and healthy. Where they were broken or missing pieces, see them filling in and connecting again. Get a nice beautiful image on some energetic level, we're bringing in your ancestral roots through these roots. Very good. And see if your body feels any different sensation. Now the next part I'd like you to see and trust yourself if you feel like there's anyone standing around you in front, the side, behind you. Can you feel any of the energy of your ancestors? Even if it's not a specific person, can you feel how far back you go? Can you feel the people that came before you? Can you see the people that will come in front of you, ahead of you? in the future that are connected to you now. Just see what you visualize. Pay attention to people's faces or moods. Pay attention to how you feel physically, emotionally as we do this. And we're just going to one last time send a lot of sunshine and light to it, the entire, the entire family tree, past, present, and future. So see all of these roots and connections and people shining with light. Maybe somebody or something will visit you in a dream. I hope that for you. Closing my eyes to connect with my roots, I sense the wisdom of my ancestors and my grandmother smiles.
There's a big craze now, of course, with ancestry DNA, right? A lot of people suddenly, you know, accessing this service to see if they can find long-lost relatives, cousins, and um, also, you know, any health things that are in the family. Um, and also just to see, you know, are they a mix of different cultures and races that they didn't realize? I find it interesting that everybody, you know, that there's this surge in that in the last few years at a time when people are probably the most, you know, nomadic they've been as far as feeling like you could just get up and and uh, move city, move country. Um, there's a lot of, obviously not the whole world is mobile like that, but there's a lot more that are than ever used to be. Or maybe, a, you know, this strong wanderlust that we have. But I find it interesting that there seems to be a growing trend of wanting to know. Um, so I, w I happened to be in New York um, about, a, mm, about a year and a half ago. No, actually, no, it was about a year. And I was sitting in this pizza place visiting my friend who works there in Greenwich Village, and I'm sitting there eating pizza, and the TV is on, and one of these Ancestry DNA ads comes on, and I just made some comment about the ad, and it turned out the lady told, who was sitting there told me, well, actually, um, I am a, eth, eth, uh, what was it, I want to say ethnologist, that's probably not it, um, this was her field, she, she did, um, DNA and forensics analysis and she she knew quite a bit about the subject so I was just all ears and she told me that um, ancestrydna.com uh, is great for 
finding relatives, cousins and, you know, for, for people who have been adopted, who can't find their long lost brothers and sisters, you know, for people who, um, for whatever reason, separations happened and uh, they've lost touch or they didn't know that they had extra cousins or trying to track down where people live even in extended families. So she said it's very good for that, but it's not very accurate as far as nationality and race um, because their records are not old enough. What she told me was that National Geographic is the best one to go through if you want to know your ethnicity because they have, you know, they've just got so many more years of studying and researching and collecting uh, bones from all over the world in different times. So that was interesting. And then the other one is uh, 23andMe, I think, which she said that one is the best one for um, determining health uh, genetically. So it's so interesting. We have all of these services now because we used to just rely on oral history. Your mom or your dad would tell you, your grandparents would just tell you, your uncles and aunts would tell you. And it's missing, isn't it? It's missing for so many people that now we have these multiple services to try and find out. And it's a very deep need. It's not a luxury to know your history. So this is just a little quote from the Ancestry.com uh, website. A quote from Dennis Neuenschwander says, A life that is not documented is a life that within a generation or two, will largely be lost to memory. What a tragedy this can be in the history of a family. Knowledge of our ancestors shapes us and instills us the values that give our lives direction and meaning. Yeah. So, is it important that we know, you know, what our great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers did? I think so, because I think we replay it, I think, on a karmic level, on a soul level. There's threads, there's happenings, there's genetic, there's health things for sure that run through families. We want to know. We want to, you know, we want to know if there's family longevity. We want to know if there's a pattern of heart attacks or diabetes. We need to know this stuff, right? to work with it and be preventative. But we also need to know those stories. Why did they immigrate? Why did they move? You know, what were the hardships they went through? Were people happily married? Were there lost children? Were there suicides? What the heck was going on with these families? You need to know because mental health also runs through the family. If there are buried secrets, for sure they replay. You know, families are very insular for protective reasons of the tribe. But, and, you know, tradition that is helpful if you keep it within the family. But it, it works and backfires the same way if it's a family secret. So are you from a long line of alcoholics? but most people would never find out because, you know, they hid it well or they had the means to hide it. 
You need to know that stuff because genetically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you're going to be inclined towards it or towards attracted to those in this life who are. It's whatever, whatever family pattern or secret for the good or the bad, you know, whoever took a risk uh, and paved the way and pioneered the way for others, it continues in the lineage. Whoever suppressed and abused um, sets up a lineage for the family as well. And I, I know now that I'm old enough to see how many things repeat generation after generation, even though nobody talks about them, they still repeat. So it's very important that we try our best to know our story. And if you do still have your parents and your grandparents around, your uncles and aunts, and they're willing to open up, it would be a really great idea to get them talking, reminiscing. Try not to, you know, be put anybody on the defense or be accusatory or anything, but if you can get them to start opening up about a story, you never know where that story might lead you, it might lead you to some peace. One thing I found interesting when I went to England, um, there's no, there's nobody that I have found yet um, in the actual um, documents that there was anybody who was doing mining. But at the same time, the family was in Cornwall during the time that the tin mines um, popped up. And so you can see these mines all over the coast. And, you know, men would have been going underground to mine for tin, sometimes even under the water. And pretty scary, terrifying stuff. And I know that um, this grandfather that I'm mentioning was claustrophobic. He used to apparently pass out in the bathroom, and it was a large bathroom. Couldn't handle confined space spaces. Now, I didn't know that about him. I don't know where it came from, and I, but I have it too. I've, I, I've been claustrophobic my whole life as well. And um, I found it interesting to go to this parish and see that the whole town functioned on mining where people would have been underground in small spaces and claustrophobic or confined. Now, who's to say? It might, it might have come from that might have come from something else. But just that little little piece of history gave me this feeling like, oh, right, Grandpa was claustrophobic too, and so am I. There's something to this. You know? Um, very often, I think, we will play out the trauma and the triumph of whatever is suppressed or wasn't fulfilled in the family line. It'll, it'll live on somehow. And um, it's important to know as much as you can about what happened so that you can see if there's a pattern and you can have some, maybe some measure of control over your own choices. Or you can go back and try to help with the family to heal. So 
How much do you know about your family? How much do you feel you can talk about and ask them stories? Do you see any patterns that you're part of, that you're repeating? Do you see anything that's been passed down that you're living out that maybe happened generations ago and now it's there with you? It's very interesting and fascinating stuff to look at, I find. Thank you. 
Llorona, llorona, llorona de azul celeste Tápame con tu reposo, llorona Porque me muero de frío Tápame con tu reposo, llorona Porque me muero de frío Imagine no love, pride, deep, fried chicken, your best friend. 
You're only looking for yourself out there. <laughs> nice way to end. So, let's talk now about how you can connect more with your ancestors or the spirit of the ancestor that's around you. So first of all, the main thing people tell me is dreams, most of the time. Um, probably because we're more receptive during a dream. We can wake up and say, oh, I had this weird dream. Um, we might not be aware that sometimes those dreams are spirit visitations. Um, so very often when people pass away, when they cross over, within a, you know, a certain window of time after they've died, people tend to have a dream about them. And um, the dream will greatly affect the person. And they come to me as a medium and they... They're sort of still confused about whether that means that their spirit came to visit them or if they're okay or not, because they're still pretty consumed in their grief. And at the same time, the dream tells me a lot about how that person is doing with their passing and also how that the spirit is. So lots of times when people have passed, they have the person has a dream that their loved one is okay, that they're happy, that they're smiling, that they give you a thumbs up, something like that. Something very simple where they're, they're healthy and happy. And that's very often the most common sign that the spirit is in a good place, is fine, has, you know, uh, crossed over into the light or on their way. Other times, of course, people have disturbing dreams about their loved one. They're perturbed. They can't, they, uh, you know, they'll see them in a confused state or in a painful state. And um, sometimes, yes, that does mean that the person is having a difficult time crossing over. Usually, usually because the death was something tragic. There's a mystery around it. There's an accident. There's something sudden. Not in all cases, but most of the time that's what I see if the person is not passing um, 
quickly. There's a lot for that person to process. They had a hard life, or they had a hard passing, or there was, like I said, a lot of mysteries around the person's death, um, or complications around their health care, or somebody that just didn't accept that they had to go. It was, and so they, their spirit sort of literally is is not resting and saying, I don't want to be here. I'm not, you know, they can be in denial and not happy that they're gone or not realize that they're gone. Um, so the quality of the dream that you have um, around the time somebody's passed tells you a lot. Other times when, when there's been a decent amount of time that's gone by and you start dreaming about a loved one, um, unless you're missing them all the time and you just cannot stop thinking about them or let them go, meaning that it might be your grief and therefore you're dreaming about them as a way of your, your, you know, your processing your grief, that isn't always a spiritual visitation. But if you're not walking around thinking about, you know, I don't walk around thinking about my, my grandma or my grandpa every day. So if they suddenly show up in a dream, or they seem to be almost literally standing there if I'm meditating, or when I first wake up or go to bed, um, that's, that's a visitation. I know that that spirit is visiting. And then what you can do is... Um, you know, ask them anything you want, really. People don't think you can, but you can. So if I dream about my grandma and she's doing well, maybe she's showing me something in the dream. You know, if, um, I don't know, like <laughs> based on the plans that I just told you, if, you know, if I had a, a dream that she was uh, in Scotland or near a some chunky old limestone building with lots of greenery and uh, pointing to a, a doorway or something, I might take note of, of that and say, oh, maybe she's trying to show me a place that I should visit. Sometimes your loved one who is crossed over will, will give you an indication whether they like the path you're on. Um, they'll, they'll sort of give their approval or not of people around you or of your job, stuff like that. That'll happen in dreams. Sometimes, though, the visitation is even stronger than a dream. Sometimes you might be meditating or, like I said, you're half, half on your way to sleep or you've just woken up in the middle of the night or in the morning and you're a bit woozy. So your conscious state is a little bit in between waking and sleeping. At that time, sometimes you might feel that there's a presence in the room. A lot of people feel that. And this is where it gets tricky to figure out what is that? Who was that? Because there's all manner of spirits that can show up around us. But if we're talking about ancestors, for now, we'll just leave it at that. Um, if you're in the in-between waking, sleeping state, and you wake up and you see your grandpa or your, your, you know, your late uncle standing in your room, you're being visited. And try your best 
not to get scared and block out or resist. It's hard not to sometimes because it can feel so real. But if you can tap into what this person feels like, you're going to know something about them. And then you might be able to even ask them things. As you get more practiced with this, more open, it's le it freaks you out less. You might be able, when, they, when you see them standing there, to say, Hey, Grandpa, do you think I should move? Do you think I should take that job? Do you like my new friend or my, my new boyfriend? Or do you think my kids are doing all right? Should I be doing something else about their school? Or you could ask them anything at that moment, and you might sometimes hear an answer. They might not speak in sentences. They might just nod. They might smile. They might say yes or no. They might point to something. And then other times the spirits that are around you when you wake or meditate are there to visit you as spirit guides. And other times they are disincarnate souls, people who have not crossed over. We call it ghosts, but it's not really a ghost. A ghost is more like somebody that's stuck, almost like a record player that's going looping, looping, looping. And part of their soul energy is stuck in a loop, in a certain place, in a certain action. I'm talking more about people who have crossed over, have died, but have not gone to the light or crossed over. They might not know they're dead. They might still be looking for somebody. They might still be around the scene of an accident where they passed. They might still be back in their old childhood home because they miss it and they don't want to go into the light yet. That happens all the time too. So you might be picking up a ghost or a disincarnate soul. Yeah. <laughs> when the veils are thin, as they are at this time of year you might pick up this kind of activity more than usual. And your pets can also often be helpful to you during this time. Cats will sense and see spirits, and so will dogs. So if your cat is suddenly staring at a spot on the ceiling and there's nothing there, well, cat's seeing something. And of course, I mentioned that, and my cat is doing it right now as we speak. I just noticed him. <laughs> if you see the lights suddenly dimming on and off without warning, sometimes it's spirit activity. There's all kinds of signs, whether it's a good one or a bad one. That might be another show. This show, I just want to help you get in touch with and be open to the ancestors around you that they might come through.
If you could see your ancestors all standing in a row, would you be proud of them or not? Or don't you really know? But here's another question which requires a different view. If you could meet your ancestors, would they be proud of you? Neil, Nellie Winslow Simmons Randall. Mm-hmm. So think about what you already know about your ancestors. Try to see the people who have come before you that you are aware of or that you've heard something about. Try to see them all standing in a row right now if you can. Visualize it like you did with the roots and the tree. You're standing in a room. You look gradually in front of you. You see who's mainly standing in front of you. Looking off to the right, see who's standing there. Even if you can't make out all their faces, just try to get a feeling. How many people are there? You know, how far back do they go? And if you can make out a face or two, who's there? And now swing back again, looking over to the left see all of the people that are on the left. How many are there? What's the sense you have, even if you can't see individual faces? Is it a full room? Is it just a couple? Is there anyone who's 
popping out? Is there anyone who seems to be watching? Now I want you to ask yourself that question. Your ancestors are all standing in a row. Are you proud of them? Do you feel a sense of pride in these ancestors? Be honest with yourself. Get a feeling of what the family lines have been very good at and what they haven't been so good at. Even if you don't know for sure, you can trust your intuition if you're doing a meditation to get some sense of what you're carrying energetically, collectively and energetically from these ancestors. And now we're going to flip the question around. Do you feel that they would be proud of you if they knew you? What would they think of you if they met you now, considering everything that's gone on in this family? Are they proud of you? Are they afraid of you? Have you lived up to what they expect? Have you broken new ground and gone your own way? Have you gone against anything? Are you upholding tradition or have you broken it? Are people proud of you for that or not? Try to get a feeling of that collective feeling from your ancestors, if they'd be proud of you. It's a deep thing to work with. It's a deep, complex energy to work with that. But if you can get some sense, you're going to start healing yourself on a deep soul level, and you might also help your ancestors heal. And even people who are still here now, you might help them heal on some subtle level by being aware, by giving thanks, gratitude for what they gave you, all the things that they did so that you're standing in your position in your life right now. And then maybe you can get a sense, what do I still need to do so that my ancestors would be proud, so that I'd be proud of myself? Powerful questions to ask yourself. It's said that All Hallows' Eve is one of the nights when the veil between the worlds is thin. And whether you believe in such things or not, those roaming spirits probably believe in you, or at least acknowledge your existence, considering that it used to be their own. Even the air feels different on Halloween. Autumn crisp and bright. Do you feel the air is different lately? I sure do. I've felt it since September. See what you feel in the air this this coming Hall Halloween, Samhain, Eve. See what it brings you. Sense of history, sense of mystery. More dreams. Here's one more quote before we go into uh, a couple more songs for you this evening. This is by Cicero. So this was uh, a quote from 106, well, he lived 106 to 43 B.C. 
to be ignorant of what occurred before you were born oh sorry to be ignorant of what occurred before you were born is to remain perpetually a child for what is the worth of a human life unless it's woven into the life of our ancestors by the records of history mhm perpetually a child do you feel that do you see that in some of the people who aren't willing to talk about the, your family line or your family history or people do you feel like that yourself if you feel disconnected from your roots do you feel like you're perpetually a child it's an interesting perspective we're going to play a little level 42 for you now
Samhain is a time to remember our dead, but not to mourn them, rather to embrace their spirits and let their wisdom help guide us in our time here on earth. R.J. Schwartz. I hope tonight's show has helped you and guided you somewhat, given you a deeper perspective on loved ones and spirit and healing your generational line. We'll be back next week on the River Rain Show with another theme. Good night, everybody. Still
Yeah.